you taken a long-term absence from work to give birth to a child? Does your confidence shake at the idea of going back to work? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a special guest around the challenges of going back to work, especially for a new mom, and to learn what added value they can bring to their organizations. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure why that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Tribe Show. In today's episode, we want to dive into the role, added value, and talent that women, especially after having children, can bring in the workplace. We dive into this topic, supported by Grania McConnell, who is joining us from Indianapolis, Indiana. Grania is an internationally qualified transformational coach, corporate coach, a member of the prestigious International Coaching Federation, and a motivational speaker. She's the owner and founder of Strong Path Coaching, and most importantly, she is a mom of two. After a successful career in marketing with one of the world's leading medical companies and two international relocation with two small children, Greiner decided to embark on establishing a transformational coaching company dedicated to moms and to help organization, organizations uh, leveraging the female talent to drive growth and leadership potential. Hi, Grania. Welcome to the Forgiven Try Show, and thank you for being with us today. And thank you so much for having me. It's such a lovely experience to meet yourself and all your lovely listeners. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Um, so, Grania, I always love to start with the person I have in front of me. Uh, mm-hmm. How did you start? Uh, I've just said that you are a mom or two. Um, yeah. But how did you start uh, being interested uh, in working in, uh, you know, as a coach and uh, trying to uh, make everybody understand what moms and women in general can bring to the workplace? Um, definitely for me, it was just that experience of becoming a mom. So when my um, daughter was about three or four months old, my husband was promoted from the company that we both worked for in just south of London. Um, And he was promoted to a position in Mannheim in Germany. So when my daughter was like six months old, we packed up everything. We moved to Germany to a country. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know the language. I didn't know anybody. It was a completely different experience for me. It was like starting from scratch. 
Um, and over the next few years, I built up this fabulous group of mums who were stay-at-home mums. Um, they were English-speaking, um, and they were from every corner of the world. So, like, my best friend was from India. I had friends who were from England, um, just America, everywhere that you can possibly think of. Um, and we all just came together. And the thing that I think the biggest stereotype I had was of what a stay-at-home mum was. And that wasn't me. So, of course, I had been this career girl and I had, you know, my whole life was about my career. And I expected to meet these women who were maternal and that had always had this desire to be stay-at-home mums. And that was not what I met. I met women exactly like me. Um, So that was a real eye-opener. Like, um, I had a friend who was a world expert in Gandhi who had studied at NYU um, who was a PhD. I had friends who were like top sales girls. I had friends who were, you know, before, prior to being the mums, um, being realtors, nannies, marketers, everything that you can possibly imagine. Um, and the thing that really struck me, struck me was the confidence loss when becoming a mum. So they went from being on top of the world to literally asking other mums, what do I feed my baby? My baby has a rash. What can I use? You know, it was like everything that we had learned did not transfer into the world of being a mum. And then the other thing that happened was all these women, you know, medical researchers, these really bright, intelligent women could not get back into the world of work because in the eyes of society, those skills that we acquire when we are being mums do not transfer back into the workforce, which in my eyes, is a massive loss of talent. The things that we pick up during that time of being stay-at-home mums, things like you have to anticipate needs of your baby, you can transfer that to the boardroom, you can transfer that to your clients. Things like listening, problem solving, being tolerant towards certain behaviours, all of these things are so transferable and so valuable to the business world that it didn't make sense to me why these women were being made redundant just for becoming mothers. It also didn't make sense to me that these women lost their confidence for becoming mums. For me, they should have been, the skills that they learned at work should have been transferable also into becoming a mum. So I think I've always had a trait of being a cheerleader for other people. And that really came out in me when I became a mum, not only to my children, but the people around me. And it seemed very natural for me then to go into coaching. Um, It seemed natural for me to become a cheerleader for women and for mums, but also with my corporate background, that I knew the experiences that those women were going through. Um, So it made sense to go into corporate coaching. I hope that explains it. Uh, Fantastically well. Um, (laughs) Now, I'm not a mum myself, so uh, perhaps this is a, a bit of a silly question, but um, you mentioned one thing is that um, by looking at all these other women that were uh, like uh, uh, basically uh, warriors uh, before having children, and then after that um, they started to have perhaps low self-esteem or not the same uh, attitude that they had before. Um, what is that uh, kill uh, that sort of self-esteem? when becoming mom. As you said, I mean, there are lots of uh, um, qualities that you have to have, a lot of um, new attributes, or you have to learn a lot. 
so what really kills uh, the confidence? I mean, it is, and every mum will know this, it's like being thrown into the deep end. You have one day, you have this beautiful bump. And yes, everything's been knocked out of shape for nine months. But the next day you have a baby that you have no idea what to do with. You don't know this person. You don't know what they like, what they don't like. And it's an experience of having to listen to your baby to become attuned to your baby. Um, And that's hard. It's really hard. You're also doing this after, say, 50 hours of labor. You're literally being handed a baby after one of the most extreme. Imagine doing a marathon and someone hands a new baby at the end of it and going, right, go and look after that baby. It's exactly the same thing. You're exhausted. Um, And you've also gone through all these hormonal shifts. So it is natural to lose your confidence. But what I don't understand is then your confidence should come back to you. And it seems for a lot of women, it doesn't. It seems that this, you know, for being on top of the world, for being this career woman, being at the peak of your career, to then being thrown in at the deep end seems to take a very long process and believing in themselves again. Um, And also for society and how they see you. I mean, people stopped asking me what I did. You know, we would be at parties, um, say dinner parties with my husband. um, People would ask him what he did. Nobody asked me what I did. It was like my value had gone because I was a mother. And that's all that people saw me as. Nobody saw me as starting my own business. Nobody saw that I had other talents. Um, and it was literally the conversations after that were, so how are your children? How old are they? Are they in school? And that was literally the height of my conversation after that. Um, so it is a societal thing as well that they seem to place. Once a mother becomes a mother, she cannot be anything else. Where for some reason, fathers are put on a pedestal. So there is that difference. So basically, from that moment on, uh, in the eyes of society, you were just a mom. And you couldn't be anything else than a mom. Yeah. I mean, you can't be. uh, It makes me laugh because the stereotype of a woman is that we're multitaskers. And yet, for some reason, when we become mums, we can only be mums, which doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Of course, we can be everything. You can be absolutely everything you want to be. So would you say that uh, in addition to perhaps uh, still having a society with a gender gap, uh, we also have an additional gap when women become mothers that we need to fill up? Absolutely. And we see that in corporations. So approximately, I've tried my best to find this statistic. I read it in an article once, but I can't find the actual root of the statistic. But it is guessed that around 40% of women leave corporations within five years of having their first child. So that tells you as well, not only are you being gender gap by just being a woman, but also when you become a mother, there's also pressures on you, whether that is societal, whether that's childcare issues, whether that's issues within your own family unit. We are losing 40% of all mums within five years. That is hemorrhaging talent. And that is absolutely where companies need to be putting a focus on. You're losing people with their experience. They know about your company. They have loyalty to your company. You're letting them walk out the door just because they've become a mum. Wow. Uh, this is quite uh, astonishing, this, this, mm-hmm. uh, this figure. Um, 
So let's dive into that. What is uh, the added value of women? You mentioned uh, already uh, a few of the qualities that moms uh, develop uh, after uh, giving birth to a child, but what is the uh, added value for uh, uh, an organization uh, at work? I mean, every organization needs diversity and we have seen through studies that diversity equals more profit. So regardless, that's the great place to start. If you want to be a profitable modern company, you have to support and nourish the talent of the females within your company. Um, you also have, as I've said, you are bringing in skills like nurturing skills. You're bringing in women who on a daily basis have to inspire their own children. That can only translate into inspiring your employees. So it is, it's the motivation women want to get out of the house too. I meet so many women that are like, I love my children with my soul, but I want to go to work. I want to use my brain. You've got women that are highly motivated um, so there's that, as I said, those other skills like anticipating needs. Imagine translating that into your stakeholders um, and you're you have someone who's anticipating their needs, someone who can problem solve, someone who can negotiate. I've got two children. I've never negotiated like I do with my two children. That can only be a great thing within a boardroom when you've got people on two political sides. Um, so there is so much advantage of having women. And and then, uh, sorry, another small niche group um, within that is women who take time out to care for, say, elderly parents or a spouse who maybe has gone through a terminal illness, anything like that. Those women also have those skills and they they shouldn't be seen as you've taken a break from your career Therefore, you're not valuable. If anything, I would say they're more valuable. They're bringing in skills that are not valued in your company. And you can take advantage of that before your competitors do. And yet we have uh, a gap that we yeah. need to fill. So uh, what are the factors that uh, maintain this, uh, this uh, gap, uh, both in terms of gender gap and uh, in the gap that people who, women that have left work for a short period of time, uh, yeah. you know, cannot go back to where they were and progress with their career. I mean, when you're talking about gaps, you could easily fall into the conversation of not having female representation and the gender pay gap. But to me, they are symptoms of gender gaps. They're not actually the, the triggers or the causes. And the causes for me are just society. It is how we have all been ingrained. I mean, I've had this with my daughter. I had so many people buying her dolls because she's a girl. My daughter was more interested in Lego and building things and dinosaurs and space. She still loves pink. She still loves being dressed head to toe in pink and having her hair done. But she just wasn't interested in dolls. And for me, that's where it begins. That is literally the moment it begins that if you are thrusting upon a child a toy that they're not interested in. Um, or another another thing that absolutely drives me insane, my daughter loves climbing trees. She loves getting dirty. And the clothes that are made for females are not or for little girls are not made to, to be ruined in the way that she wants to run about. So I used to have to buy the boys jogging bottoms that had reinforced knees 
because girls' clothes don't have reinforced knees. And it's like you're limiting children from such a small age by giving them bad shoes, you know, shoes that aren't comfortable, that aren't supporting their feet, um, so that they can't run as fast, they can't climb trees as fast. And you're, from the get-go, teaching them this is what a boy does and this is what a girl does, rather than who are you? Do you want the nice shoes or do you want the comfortable shoes? Because every child is different. And some girls love the pretty shoes and that's fine. And it's about just nourishing whatever talent, whatever needs each of those children have, rather than placing, you are a girl, you have to look after a doll, you have to let the boys be boisterous around you and not get included in that. Um, and it is society. That, that's my opinion. Society is placing these factors upon women that, oh, you're a mother now, therefore you're not going to be committed, you're not going to be turning up on time. So there's that part from work, but also another dimension that I discuss a lot with women is the dynamic within their own home. So you've got the majority of the time, the man makes more money. I, I would say that's 90% of the time, even with the women that are earning lots of money, their husband still earns a lot more money. So you've got the wife within the home feeling, I don't earn as much money, therefore I have to do more housework. I have to take 90% of the childcare on. And then when she's absolutely going towards burnout and she asks her husband for help for maybe to get a cleaner or whatever else, she has to go to her husband because he's the one that holds the financial ties. And because he's not doing the work himself, he doesn't understand and he thinks, well, sure, I can do dinner two nights a week and I can help you out. It's not what we need. We need a better society supporting women we need the husbands to do 50 percent of what's inside of the home and we need the husbands also to let go of the financial ties if the woman believes she needs a cleaner let her get a cleaner if she needs extra childcare, let her get extra childcare. um and i think it's trust in women trusting that they know what's going on within their careers and what's going on within their lives and as a society just supporting them and stop with these stereotypes. You know, mums can be whatever they need to be. And that includes being an absolutely amazing career woman. Wow. Uh, there is so much in uh, everything that you have just said. I mean, um, you mentioned uh, society uh, that uh, unfortunately uh, has uh, its own rules. And we need to change that. You mentioned about the, uh, what happens um, inside the, uh, everyone's house. Um, you, you mentioned how we grow up, um, uh, take, um, sorry, our, our children and we educate uh, them uh, and, and we talk to them and empower them. Um, you mentioned, um, uh, what else? Um, Gosh, I, I forgot now. Well, I think uh, the financial ties the, as the well. The financial, exactly. The financial uh, ties, that um, is always uh, a big uh, uh, an issue. Uh, you mentioned uh, here uh, that uh, it was the, uh, the sense of guilt that uh, moms okay. sometimes have uh, because they earn less than their husband. Uh, they feel that they have to compensate for what they don't earn by uh, doing more uh, at home, which means basically having two or three, four different jobs. Um, so 
you know, you mentioned about uh, sharing between uh, men and wife uh, responsibilities uh, at home and not just uh, the men bringing a salary uh, at home and the, the woman, the, the, the mother, uh, looking after uh, the children. So, so many uh, concepts there. So, how can we shake the situation? I can under understand that, you know, if you say, I want to empower children, uh, so the next uh, generation will start thinking in a different way. But what can we do today? So I think for women, um, and I would say, again, goes for the majority of women I know, women in general have been brought up to be people pleasers. And I think this is literally the untying of, of us, because what we do then is put every single person before us, and at times even before our families. So it's about, I guess, about believing in ourselves and finding our own voice. What do we want? And that is something when I'm coaching, I ask, what do you as a person want? And most women have no idea because they have just been in a cycle of sorting out what everybody else wants. So it's about discovering yourself. It's about asking, who am I? What are my reasons for being here? What are my reasons for doing things? What do I want to do? It's about asking those, which seem like simple questions, but they're extremely difficult questions. It's about getting back to the root of who you are and finding your purpose. What is your purpose for being here? I believe we all have a purpose for being here, whether you believe in a God or whether you believe in the universe, there is a reason that you have been put here on this earth. And it's up to you to find out what that is and then find your voice. Speak up. Our husbands are not like our husbands grew up in a family that probably it was the same dynamic. And if anything, our husbands feel they're doing more than what their dads did. So they think they're doing great. You need to have that conversation with your husband. He has no idea. You need to sit with him and say, you know, I'm doing the dinner five nights a week. I'm then doing the dishes. Maybe on a Saturday, you're mowing the lawn. Could you help me during the week? Could you take the kids to piano lesson? Because I have to do that and I have to come out of work to go to do that early. Um, you know, it's about having those difficult conversations. That is what's going to break the cycle. And the only way to have those difficult conversations is to find your voice and to be sure in who you are before you do that. I, I love that. Um, finding your own voice, I think it's uh, it's always uh, a very critical uh, aspect in in that journey. And one thing that uh, I found particularly difficult is, for example, if you are in a, a situation uh, at work that doesn't uh, serve you anymore, doesn't fulfill you anymore, you are not happy, um, you're stuck to that position simply because now you are a mom and you have responsibility, responsibilities with your children. And while perhaps before having children, you would have said, well, maybe I can find a different job. Yeah. How, how much that affects uh, the workplace in your, in your opinion? I would say a lot more than any of us actually think. And it's not just that women, I think there's a lot of women stuck because they don't want the hassle of finding a new job or even going for a promotion. But I also think it's partly to do with the workforce, believing you're a mom now, so you don't want to go for a promotion and that you don't want to, you know, even move positions. 
and they keep giving you the stagnant programs or projects. They're not giving you the new exciting things. Um, and again, it, very unfortunately, it's us as women who have to identify that. Your manager's not going to say that. HR are not going to say that. It's completely up to you to say, I'm not happy right now. So how do I change that? Is it by getting having a conversation with my manager and saying, I don't like these projects. Give me something new. Is it about, you know, biting the bullet and getting a new job? Or is it about getting out of your comfort zone and going for the promotion? I think it's nearly in our heads that once you become a mom, that's it for life. You know, you're stuck being a mom. But actually, it is only a temporary part of your life. I mean, if you take it as 18 years, we work for about six, I don't know, 50 to 60 years nowadays. It's going to be, I think, by the time I retire. Um, but so you have to think of it that way. You still have 40 years of working around those children, 30 to 40 years. And yes, you might feel that 18 years of being stuck in a position is okay. It's not. When you come out of the other end of it and you've been in the same position for 18 years, nobody's going to look at you as the new innovative voice. You need to do it now. And I mean, this is one of the big trends that is happening is women now starting to go for new jobs while they're pregnant, showing up in interviews, seven and eight months pregnant, because they've realized that I'm going to have this baby for a long time. So therefore, I can go for jobs and they're getting the jobs while they're pregnant. It is something that is seems impossible, but it is happening. Um, and I think it all comes down to believing in yourself. If you and valuing yourself, if you don't value yourself, you're going to get stuck in that position. If you value yourself, you're going to see that you're worth so much more and you're going to get out of those comfort zones and you're going to go for the promotions and the new positions. So it is possible. Wow. Uh, this this is, uh, again, uh, a fantastic um, message, uh, a, a fantastic uh, hope uh, for, for everybody to, to take on. Um, Grania, there are some uh, perhaps uh, stereotypes or, or limitations uh, that, uh, that as a society we, we have and that is not necessarily um, with moms, but between women and, and men. Okay. Uh, like, for example, the women are uh, more communal uh, than uh, the men, so they are kinder, they are more empathetic, they are warmer. And while uh, men are more analytical, more independent. And so there are some... Um, um, uh, uh, how can I say, some uh, workplaces where uh, men seems to have a better, uh, better opportunities, a better career, simply because there is this uh, concept or this idea. It's just uh, a stereotype or is a, a real limitation. And I'm talking uh, as a scientist uh, in, the, in STEM, it's, it's so typical to think. Um, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right, it's stereotypes. I mean, there's no other um, cause for it. But the other thing I would break it down into is traits. So there are masculine traits and there are feminine traits. And each of us has some masculine and some feminine. There's nobody has one or the other. It, but typically, yes, women hold more feminine traits and men hold more masculine traits. And something I read very recently, which absolutely just 
it just read to my heart. I totally understood it, which was that a lot of companies, because they are only hiring male men, white men to go to the top. And this is another issue that we have is people tend to hire and mentor people that look like themselves and are the same gender as themselves. So this is another reason why women and people of color are not getting up to those positions where they should be represented. Um, and where was I going with that? Yes, so um, they were saying about how the environment, it was talking about climate change and how it has a lot to do with these companies who tend to have only aggressive alpha male type men at the top of the company because they do not value feminine traits, which are nourishing, caring, more looking at a community perspective. So they are at the same time as growing their companies, they are actually ruining the environment. Now, when you bring in those feminine traits, you would actually have got, whether it was a male with those feminine traits or a female with those feminine traits, you would have had someone questioning the environmental impact from the company. So when that company produces a large environmental impact, it also impacts upon their company's reputation. Um, so they may grow very quickly, but they also may fall very quickly and end up in a lot of debt, end up with a lot of job loss. Where when you have a company that's a lot more ethical and values those feminine traits and those feminine voices, you will also get a company that looks at the entire picture, at the umbrella, and that looks at them and says, actually, this has a big environmental impact. Long term, this is not good for our company. Long term, this will impact the local community um, and it's going to impact all of us long term. So that's why we need to value those feminine traits. We need to bring them in. And if you look even at the worldwide scope right now, I mean, females have always been told you are not leaders. You're not people that can lead other people. And the only females who have ever got to those high positions, even if you look at the likes of Margaret Thatcher, um, they tend to be quite misogynist women. They tend to not actually support other women and they tend to have a very masculine traits. Now, that's starting to change. And I think you can really see that in Jacinta Ardern, who, Ardern, who is the New Zealand Prime Minister, who just did a fabulous job of controlling the coronavirus within New Zealand. Um, she was able to look at the whole community. She was able to look at everything that was going on and the impact. And she was able then to contain the virus, isolate it and get rid of it, which was absolutely I mean, there's very few countries. I think Australia is one of the only other countries that have done that. Um, and she did that using her nourishing traits, her feminine traits that apparently aren't worth value in companies. So it is it is about changing the perspective. Um, these, these traits are so important. And if you want a company that's going to have longevity, growth, profit, you need those feminine traits. It's so important. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. So how can we um, change uh, the situation? How can we uh, make all organizations understand, uh, organizations that obviously haven't uh, fully embraced uh, this concept to change direction? I mean, I wish I had a magic wand. 
<laughs> that we just be able to do that overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. And I think it is like having these conversations that we're having right now. It's about speaking up. I'm speaking up. I know there's going to be people that disagree with me and that's fine, but I need to have my voice and I need to go out there and spread that word. It is about educating. It's about getting companies on board and explaining to them the concepts behind this. So it is, and there is a fabulous community of women and men um, who are totally behind this movement of getting women up into those positions. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's a slow process. It's going to take a while, but it's, and it's also about empowering our girls so that they're coming up into the next generation with their voices all ready to be heard. I love what you just said. So you have a daughter and a son. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, how do you help your son to grow into a sort of open-minded situation to be supportive men for a supportive man for, for women or all women talents and your daughter to grow uh, with confidence uh, with um, self-reassured uh, uh, attitude someone who understands her own value and knows how to uh, to share it with the rest of the world what I mean, well, they're so small at the moment. So Molly's seven and Aiden's five. So they're not at this stage where I can have a conversation like this with them. But we will have those conversations. And I think it's about diversity. Even I mean, my kids love to read. That's like, that's something that we do every day. And it's about getting books from the library that have female doctors or female scientists. Um, and having those conversations with my daughter, even there was um, Alisa, oh my God, get the name wrong. Alisa Carson, I think it is, is the girl who is hoping to go to Mars. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter is obsessed with space. So it was about showing her that there are female astronauts. And I guess just not, I mean, we don't like to stereotype at home. We don't talk about like pink for girls or blue for boys. However, my son's favorite color is blue and my daughter's favorite color is pink. And um, we try not to stereotype them. Plus, they are open to all of this in school. So even my son, me and my daughter were painting our fingernails one day and he wanted his nails painted. And he went into school and I was thinking, oh, I don't know how this is going to be taken. And the next day, the teachers actually did a nail salon with all of the kids because the boys wanted their nails painted because it was so cool. So it's about, it is about breaking, like, just those stereotypes of, I mean, nail, nails are just art, really, aren't they? It's just about colouring in yourself in the same way people do tattoos or, you know, whatever it is. And I think it's about breaking down, which I see as silly stereotypes that girls do things and boys do things. And it's not my experience. My son loves Frozen. He loves his songs in it. Um, my daughter loves space. It's and they both have the opposites too. Like where my son loves riding his bike and he's very boisterous, and my daughter loves all their rainbows and color and things pink with glitter. They're just their own people. Um. So yeah, for me, it is about breaking stereotypes. And when it comes to be age appropriate, having difficult conversations, um, you know, conversations about how to respect women, how to support women. 
and for my daughter, how to have a voice. Um, one of the really exciting things, actually, um, that we're doing this summer with my daughter, I've enrolled her in a five-day camp, empowerment camp, for children from seven until 13, or six, maybe six, age six to 13. Um, I have no idea what they're going to do. I think a lot of it will be crafts and socializing, and that's fine too. But I just think it's important that at this young age of seven, that she is getting that confidence that she needs to go out into the world and to have, you know, to have her voice and be able to speak loudly. Oh, I, I love that. It's, uh, it's giving really uh, the sort of uh, power to them that they can achieve whatever they, they want. Uh, if they, they set their, their mind to, uh, I absolutely love it. And um, I actually have a, a little niece who is uh, who is six, so uh, just a little bit younger than your daughter. So uh, I, I can think of her uh, absolutely, and uh, I would love her to achieve anything, anything in life. So you mentioned before about uh, women in uh, high-level uh, roles. And generally speaking, there are not so many. Uh, typically, as you said, uh, men or, or people try to employ others that they look like uh, the, themselves. Uh, and yet I found uh, some um, uh, a study um, or some data um, according to which uh, women uh, are overall much better leaders uh, mm -hmm. than the men. And... Some of the uh, skills that were uh, mentioned uh, are taking initiative, resilience, self-development, um, integrity and honesty, developing others, inspiration and motivation, relationship building, collaboration and teamwork, innovation, leadership speed, problem solving and issues analysis, powerful communication, bold leadership. I mean, these are all fantastic, um, uh, you know, categories uh, in which uh, a leader uh, should excel or we would expect them to, to excel. So, um, again, why women are not given the same opportunities? I mean, we've we've have hit on some of the things like a lot of women do become mums, and people don't think mums have the commitment to being a boss, and yet they hire men to do the same, fathers to do the same job. But I think overall, it is a definition of what is leadership, and I think leadership in the definition that it is right now, and particularly picking on the traits that you've just discussed, is seen as a very modern day thing we still have a lot of what I call bosses and it's people who merely just delegate and dictate and it is about companies what do they prefer do they prefer leadership skills or do they prefer these boss type skills um, and I think very unfortunately most companies are picking up on these boss type skills which is delegating micromanaging um, bullying aggressiveness um, and I think a lot of, I mean, literally what you just said is the complete opposite to that. The other point is that research has shown those leadership skills that you've just spoke about make your company more profitable because you nourish the talent, 
you help the people around you, you inspire them, you motivate them. And when you do that, you automatically gain loyalty. Um, I mean, customer, sorry, client retention, not client retention, workforce retention, I'll get this eventually, um, is one of the biggest money losses for companies. Um, and I think it's something in the last, say, 20 years, companies are really picking up on that back in the day, you were completely replaceable. Nowadays, they are saying that if we keep these people within the company, we promote them, we, you know, nourish their talent, it's much more profitable for them. Therefore, they should be looking at these leadership type skills. But again, most of those skills that you go back to are feminine traits. And our problem is, is that society and these companies devalue those traits. So again, it is about turning it around and saying, these are the traits that you need for longevity and profitability. Um, and just getting the CEOs of the companies to listen and getting the people within HR to listen and breaking the cycle. Stop hiring people that look like you and act like you. Stop hiring white men that have the aggressive behaviors. And that's where you're going to get your diversity. And if I can, uh, I can add to that, also stop uh, 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 promoting, for example, women that behave like men. Because, Absolutely. Um, you know, um, sometimes we uh, tend to see that women that are rewarded are women that behave just like men. And uh, so all these uh, traits are, are actually not considered. And it, it would be exactly the same uh, employing or uh, rewarding a, a male uh, colleague. So. Absolutely. And, and that goes back to why I say traits. And I never say women because it's the traits that people are hired on. And a lot of those women are hired because they have masculine traits. They have these traits. And I have seen it myself where, I mean, I, I know of a friend of mine who worked in a company um, and it was a woman like this who was put in charge of nourishing female talent. And when my friend went to tell her that she was pregnant with her second child, she was told that she'd made a big mistake. Um, and rather than, you know, I mean, that's a true story, but rather than help her through that and support her, she just said, you've thrown away your career. You're too young. You've got two children to look after. How are you going to do all of this? Um, and of course, my friend left the company. So the person who was supposed to nourish her um, was the person that um, basically got her to leave the company. So it is about, and, and going back to the Margaret Thatcher phenomenon too, I mean, Margaret Thatcher was the first female president of the United Kingdom. And it is well documented that she was also misogynist and she didn't like to hire females. She thought they were too emotional. Um, I mean, that's, that's her quotes, that's her words. And I think it is about, you know, as you said, hiring people who are like yourself. So it is that alpha male thinking, oh, I'm hiring diversity, but he's not. He's still hiring someone who's completely like himself. And we need all types of people in a team. If you keep hiring the same people, you're going to get the same answers every single time. And that is not what you want in a company. You want different people. You want different experiences. You want innovation. You want people to think outside that box. And if you completely hire people that you know you're comfortable with, that's not going to happen. 
Absolutely, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I love it. You mentioned uh, women being uh, emotional or uh, being considered uh, emotional. Um, is that really the case? And even if it was, would it be uh, a bad uh, trait? Yeah, well, Margaret Thatcher said women were emotional. Yeah, I sure. Would <laughs> but um, yeah. that. actually, I don't know about yourself, but if you think back to your meetings that you have been in, um, the most emotion that I've ever seen is from men. And the emotion that comes out that for some reason nobody ever talks about is anger. I have seen men get very angry in meetings um, to the point that I've been uncomfortable and the people around me have been uncomfortable but yet nobody talks about men being emotional. Um, so I don't, I mean, I don't know whether it's that women try to contain their emotions within the boardroom, whether they're not as open about them. I would say that is part of the case because I think as women were taught, do not show your emotions. It makes other people uncomfortable. And yet for me, the most emotional person in the boardroom has been men. They're the ones that have made me feel uncomfortable and they're the ones that have had the outbursts. Um, however, I think dependent on what emotions you're talking about, if you're talking about carrying emotions, why can't that be accepted within the boardroom? I think that's a fabulous thing to have. Um, you know, if someone's telling you about an experience and you are trying to connect to your customer, you need empathy. All of those emotions are definitely needed within the boardroom. Um, I think with life as well, you know, there are big emotions that do make people feel uncomfortable, which is anger, crying, um, maybe outbursts of passion. As much as I don't feel the boardroom is the best place for them, they are real emotions. And sometimes that needs to be shown. We are all still human. And if somebody decides to cry in the boardroom for whatever reason, empathy needs to be shown rather than oh my goodness what are they doing their career's finished um I think it is we are human and emotions will get there at times and yeah there are emotions that we need in the boardroom but for some reason I think because they're not crying or these emotions that are stereotyped against women it's okay <laughs> well yes uh, I, I totally understand that um Let's talk about uh, communication and uh, um, between uh, men and women uh, in a workplace and how the dynamics uh, can be. Um, sometimes, uh, and that's my personal experience, uh, I found that the way uh, men uh, addresses women can be almost uh, on, on the edge of uh, being bullying. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, I, I remember a particular situation where during a meeting I was chatting, uh, I was being bullied by a colleague and I had to smile and be very uh, you know, professional and uh, keep going with the meeting. Um, yeah. So how, what is your experience about it? And how, can, how much communication is, is, uh, uh, impacts uh, this gender gap or uh, the situation of moms? And what can we do uh, to make communication a tool that we can, we can use? I think, especially with bullying, um, I actually went through my own experience um, from bullying, and it was with another woman, actually. Um, the problem with bullying is, I think, when I reached out for help, 
I was told I needed to directly confront her, which was not something that I was in place to do at the time. Um, so I do think companies need to look more at their structures and how bullying is being dealt with because, in my opinion, asking someone to confront the person that they're being bullied by is not a supportive and is not um, a productive way of dealing with bullying. So I had gone to my manager who had told me to do that and then I went to HR who also told me to do that. So it is about breaking the culture for bullying um, within the structure. HR need to have things in place, as do managers. They also need to be trained and be given tools to deal with this with this style of bullying. Um, I think as well, for I mean, I was quite young at the time. Um, we're now looking back, there's a lot of things I would have done differently, but I also think those structures should have been in place to support me. Um, it's also about having this voice, as we've said. It's about having the voice and having the courage to speak to your manager or his manager or her manager, whoever it is, and just speak to them and say, this is not right. I don't feel that that um, this is a productive place for me to be working in while I'm being bullied. The other thing that I experienced quite a lot being a woman, and I think being a young woman, I was quite young for the position that I was in in that company, I used to get talked over quite a lot and that used to drive me insane. Um, and I remember one time, one of the, the fellas who was about the same age as me just saying, stop, I haven't finished yet. And I thought, I'm going to use that from now on. And someone else had said it. It was one, it was quite a high up manager just spoke over me. And I went, actually, I haven't finished yet. And I think I took him by surprise and he let me finish. However, I was totally aware that I would be seen as aggressive or whatever else that was. But to me, it was more important that my voice was heard rather than this label of, of being aggressive. Um, and the other thing, I'm sure you know this more than I do, um, was working in a medical company. I, I'm not a scientist. However, I have a very good understanding of how all the products work. Um, I had a lot of experience in the medical world. And I remember male members of my team talking to me as if I had no understanding of anything. It's the term mansplain. Um, and it's another thing that absolutely drove me insane. And I just wish I'd stopped them and said, yeah, I get it. You know, I totally understand what you're saying, but thank you for trying to explain it. <laughs> you know, um, to do it in a nice way, but also make your point. That is that is the point as women that we have to make the point that yes, we are female, but yes, we still have brains and we know what's going on. We have a really good understanding of what's going on. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in this position. Wow. Now, let's talk about um, your uh, coaching uh, experience mm -hmm. uh, with, with moms uh, going back to, to work. Uh, what are the challenges that they have to face, uh, both internal challenges uh, right. in terms of mindset, for example, and the challenges that um, normally they find when they go back in the workplace? Um, so I think there's two types of people that I've coached here. It's people who've gone into brand new jobs. Um, and I nearly feel that's easier than women who are going back into the positions that they had previously. Um, so like a lot of the women, first of all, they lose their voice. I, this is just something that I find overall. So they just can't speak up. 
in meetings or they feel it's nearly like they feel they should be grateful for being allowed back into the position rather than they're worthy of being put back in the position. And I think that's a mindset change that you have to go through. Um, You've also had time out of work. And as much as you've developed these other skills, you have lost touch with what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So there's, again, this can happen when you go back and your manager just expects you to go back into the role. That can be extremely difficult. Another thing that I find, which is really common, is that the the woman goes off for, say, one year in the UK um, to be on maternity leave, and then they go back. They have new managers. The structure's changed. So not only are they dealing with going back into a position, but everything around them's changed. Their colleagues have changed. And they have a new manager who doesn't know anything about them, doesn't know their needs, doesn't know their expertise. Um, so there's that can be absolutely a minefield by itself. Um, so, yeah, there is two sides of it. There is you that's lost your confidence, that's trying to find your feet. And my biggest bit of advice for any woman is be easy on yourself. Give yourself time. Because I think a lot of women expect to go in and within a week they're going to be back to normal. It's really unfortunate that is not how it happens. You are trying to find your balance of when to pick up your children, when to take them to childcare, um, who's taking them today. Sometimes it can be the grandparents um, who's making dinner tonight. It's about finding a new dynamic in your family. That's not going to take one week. So to be easy on yourself, allow yourself to make mistakes, allow yourself to feel, whether that's in your career or in your personal life, it's fine to make mistakes. That's how we learn. Then the other side of it then, of course, is everybody else around them, either expecting them to fit back into their role or expecting them to have lost commitment altogether. And again, my advice to them would be be easy on that person. Give them time to settle back in as you would with a new employee. When you have someone new to your team, you don't expect them after one week to know everything. So, yes, it is about just finding a new dynamic, being easy on that person and asking them, do you need help? But also from the mum's point of view, if you need help, ask for it because nobody's a mind reader. So ask your husband for help, ask your family for help, ask your manager for help. And if your manager's not helping you, go to HR and have a chat with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when having a child, uh, obviously there is this uh, uh, new little uh, uh, bundle of joy uh, that uh, needs to be taken care of. But any uh, sort of uh, uh, absence uh, or long-term absence uh, can uh, create this sort of uh, similar situation. Um, yeah. I, I went through a burnout and I've been off work for 18 months. Okay. And, um, uh, it is very difficult to go back. And even though I'm doing um, a phased return, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's very challenging uh, to uh, go back to that sort of routine and learn about everything. Because in the meanwhile, the organization obviously has gone forward. Uh, yeah. So uh, a lot of stuff around you have, have changed. Um, so in, in that situation, uh, what is uh, the advice to the organization to retrain, for example, this person? Uh, yeah. I mean, absolutely, especially if the, the team has changed, the structure has changed. 
don't just expect them to walk into work on Monday morning and work that out. There should be meetings beforehand with their managers, um, even with HR, to discuss why there was a structure change. Um, and, and even to go through, this is how the structure looks like, because a lot of women are walking back in completely blind as to who they who is their line manager, who is their line manager, who is within their team, who are their colleagues, who are their sideways colleagues. Nobody really seems to know. And it's just welcoming, welcoming them back. I mean, a phased return is a fabulous way to bring somebody back in as well. Um, and that is something that, you know, companies need to look at too. But yes, put the things into place. Ask that, ask that person, even have a one month review after you've done the phased in return and after you, you've explained everything and say, is there any training that you need to go for? Is there anything we can help you with? Is there support? And another really great idea is to get a mom mentor, get somebody within the company or a coach. Um, and I mean, that's what my job is as a coach is to help these women. And a lot of companies now are bringing on coaches in this situation, but also mom mentors within the company. Ask someone who's maybe a year ahead of that person in terms of having a child, would you mind a couple of times a week just meeting up and asking this person how they're getting on, give them some advice, you know, use the, the resource that you have. That's a, a fantastic advice, actually, uh, because it's uh, a resource that the company already has and uh, it doesn't feel uh, like that person has been putting uh, put on a, on a, under the spotlight. Uh, it's just having a coffee with uh, with another fellow mom um, exactly. that is a little bit ahead in in the game. Uh, so great, great advice, um, Grania. For uh, those men listening who uh, are living with a partner who perhaps feels a little bit overlooked at work, uh, undervalued. Uh, how can, what can we advise to them? Uh, how they can support their partner? Um, I mean, if, it, if it's a mom, I think one of the biggest things is give her some time. And um, that's one thing that all of us moms struggle with. And also permission to have time. Um, a lot of the women I that I coach, there's a feeling of if I'm not in work, I should be 24 hours seven with my children. Um, and that's not true. We also need time to ourselves. Um, it's a bit like, you know, the, the air mask on an airplane. You need to put yours on before you put the child on. Therefore, you need to look after yourself before you're looking after your own child. So, yes, asking what can I do to help? How can I help you with getting back into work? How, how can I help around the house? But also look at outside resources such as coaching um, and building up their belief in themselves. Like tell them when they've done something great. Tell them they're doing great in their careers. Celebrate the promotions. I mean, one of my big bits of advice for confident parenting always is, is to celebrate those small moments. If your six-year-old has been two months in your bed and they one night go back into their bed, have a celebration, have a cup of tea and a bit of cake the next day, you know, splash out on yourself, you know, whether it's with time or money, whatever it is that you use to celebrate, enjoy those small moments. And it's so important for a partner, a male partner, if his wife or partner has gone back to work and she is losing her confidence, 
to just celebrate those small things because it will boost your confidence, definitely. Yes, because as you mentioned before, confidence uh, when having a child is uh, perhaps one of the first uh, things that uh, goes away Absolutely. and uh, um, a mom has to, uh, to get back to. Um, Grania, you know that uh, this podcast is called uh, Forgive and Try. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, my, my idea was that uh, forgiveness uh, of others and ourselves is uh, a, a, an important aspect uh, to get unstuck in life and, and try. And I ask every single person uh, what they think about forgiveness because I'm perhaps still trying to convince myself yeah. that uh, forgiveness is uh, actually the key. Uh, so what do you think about it and how important forgiveness or self-forgiveness is for moms that go back to work uh, and I mean, uh, a little child, well, I, I, I'm done, uh, li- they leave a little child uh, behind at home, perhaps with a babysitter or uh, an elderly uh, person, grandparents, for example. But- I mean, my phrase always is be easy on yourself. And that is forgiveness um, in a bubble, really. Forgiveness to me is about yourself. So even if you're forgiving somebody else, you're not actually relieving them of anything. You're actually forgiven within you. You're letting it go within you. Um, forgiveness to me is such an important part of a healthy mind and, it, and just having that healthy mental awareness. Um, so to just put that on yourself, that if, Say, for example, your husband, let's put it back to something so simple. Your husband really isn't helping you as much as he should be in the house. Forgive his naivety. Have that conversation with him rather than letting it fester. Because when you let something fester, the only person that affects is yourself. And it would be something that's going to lead to a relationship breakdown. So it's about forgiving yourself. Sorry, forgiving the husband for his naivety. Allowing him the time for you to tell him how he can support you better. But but yeah, be easy on yourself. Forgive yourself. I have to tell you, as moms, you make a million mistakes. I make a million mistakes just in one day sometimes. It's okay to do that. It's fine to do that. It's about learning from it. So therefore, I forgive myself because I'll say at the end of the day, I lost my temper today. I shouldn't have done that. I'll go through it in my head. And I'll reflect on how I would do it differently next time. That's learning. And that is allowing me to let go of it rather than the next time I lose my temper, you know, for it to go into a cycle of me thinking I just lose my temper all the time and for me to start self-hating. So, yeah, it is about just being, it's funny that yours is called forgive because I feel that that is just my motto is be easy on yourself. Definitely. Uh, I I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, Grania, how do you keep yourself uh, self-confident in uh, your own role, uh, um, in your abilities, in juggling uh, a very busy schedule with work and family? What is your recipe? Um, I have to tell you, it's not (laughs) 24-7. There is moments where I lose my confidence. And I I think, especially if you have in the podcast, there are moments when I, as a business owner, I really doubt myself and I think, you know, why, why would anyone want me as their coach? Am I a good coach? In the same way as we do as parents, you know, sometimes I feel like I wasn't a great mom. 
But the self-confidence thing is so important to me. I do quite a few things. Like I practice gratitude. I meditate. I take time for myself. It is not selfish. It is actually selfless because if I don't take time for myself, I am not a good mother. I'm not a good partner and I'm not a good business owner. Um, and that time for myself can be a walk. It can be, I love infrared saunas. So I'll go to the sauna and do some hot yoga. Um, yeah, and eating well, looking after yourself, just telling yourself you're worthy um, and believing in yourself, definitely. So it is, it's not, I don't have a one magic wand that will tell you how to be self-confident. I practice a lot of different things. Um, and actually, if you follow me on social media, I talk about all the different things that I do. It is a process and it's a journey. I'm not always self-confident. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, you mentioned social media and uh, um, we will put uh, every uh, link in uh, the description of this episode. So uh, anyone who wants to uh, get in touch with you will uh, will have all the links uh, in there. Um Kanya, what about uh, you right now? What are, uh, are you doing? What are you working on? And um, yeah, what do you have in, uh, in the pipeline? Okay, so you know I've just moved home. <laughs> so that is kind of taken up. about that. <laughs> so it's taken up about three weeks of my life at the moment. Um, but yeah, next week, straight back on Monday. Um, I, so at the moment, what I do is mostly corporate coaching, and that is one-to-one coaching. And it's not just women who've come back to, to work. It's 90% mom, maybe 95% moms that I work with. Um, and it is about finding your voice, finding your confidence, if you've just gone through a promotion, if you've just relocated. So there's lots of different reasons why I would be coaching. I have also started doing group coaching, and that would be for middle management um, within corporations. It's groups of anywhere between five and 10. They can be women, they can be mums, they can be, you know, but yeah, sorry, they are all women, but they can be mums as well. And we talk about how to look after yourself, how to make sure you're not heading for emotional burnout. But we also talk about leadership, leadership type skills, and there's some one-to-one coaching on that. So that's mainly what I work on is the one-to-one coaching and the group coaching. That's fantastic. Now, I'm aware of the time. Uh, One final uh, question. If there was uh, one take-home message that you would love our listeners to uh, have from this conversation what that would be i've mentioned it 500 times i feel embarrassed saying it again but (laughs) it is definitely valuing those feminine traits that is how we are all going to grow as a society and start bringing women into these companies getting them promoted and getting their voices heard so start valuing those feminine traits and that diversity that comes with it I absolutely love it. Well, uh, I hope that this uh, episode has provided food for thoughts on how anyone, anyone at all, can contribute to our organizations. And women, whether they have children or not, they can bring their own added value. And I want to leave you with a, a, a quote uh, from Shirley Crisol, who was the first African-American woman elected to the US Congress, who said, Tremendous amounts of talents are being lost to our society just because that talent wears a skirt. Grania, thank you very much for accepting our invitation and for sharing all your knowledge and expertise and experience with us. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. And we would love to know what you think about this uh, topic. Are you a woman struggling uh, at work or are you going back to work after a long absence? Uh, are there uh, challenges that perhaps you are facing and we didn't address today? If so, get in touch. Uh, also, don't forget to check Grania's um, social media and uh, all the links that we will put in uh, today's uh, episode description. Um, join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive.gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.